Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. We've been talking about Esther. Actually, not just Esther. I've always thought the book of Esther could be called the book of Mordecai, right? Because Mordecai is the, he's the stalwart, you know, believer. He's strong. I think it's called the book of Esther because it's really the story of somebody who was down, so to speak. She, she rose up, you know, she rose to the occasion. She was the one who was in her crisis moment and made the decision she was going to do what God says. And I believe that's the a message for us today. So many are in the valley of decision. You know, there are people who've been serving the Lord for a long time, believing God in the trenches, holding God, and I believe God's going to honor them. There's going to be breakthrough. But I believe the story of the day right now are those that, have, that haven't yet seen the light, and they're at the point of making a decision. Are you going to go forward and go 100%? Or are you going to sort of shrink back and just enjoy life, enjoy living in the palace? If y'all remember the story, Queen Esther, she's become, you know, this Jewish lady. Nobody knows she's Jewish except she does, and Mordecai does. Mordecai's her uncle, but she grew up with him, so he was as a father to her. So um, nobody understands, you know, that she's a Jew. Out of a crazy set of circumstances, she has become the queen of Persia, the largest empire in the world that had ever been even up until that time. And so she happens to be the queen. I mean, think of the odds of that. It, it's so mind-boggling. And God was able to do that. God got her there. And so, uh, so that, that, that's the story, I guess. Um, we went that far last week and a little further than that. But this story really is a story about God's deliverance and how God can deliver us and will deliver us in times of difficulty. And I fully believe this is a message that each one of us need to get into our hearts because it's for us individually. We all need to understand this. And beyond just being for us individually, it's for our nation. I do believe that God can and will still move in nations God talks about moving in nations. God talks about blessing nations. He said he'll speak to raise up a nation. Why does he do that? Because they're doing things to please him. He also says he will speak and bring down nations that have turned from his ways. And so that, to me, shows me that we can be blessed, but it also shows me that we can be in danger from turning away from God's ways, which I believe that we have done as a nation, even though individually there's so many strong Christians serving the Lord in this nation, and we're thankful for that. But anyway, we're going to be getting more into this point about, about um, God's deliverance, God's breakthrough power. Now, as I mentioned last week, it really is its amazing how things can change in one day. In one day, in one day, Joseph went down. I mean, he was eating his peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, in the field. And the first thing you know, boom, he gets thrown in the pit. He gets, th- he, he's, uh, I mean, it compl- came completely by surprise. And uh, that all happened in one day. It's just, it's just crazy. And then, um, and of course, you see his victory came in one day, right? If you look, read the rest of the story, God popped him up out of nowhere in one day. And God can bring deliverance in a day like that. In fact, 
when, when we read this story, I never had noticed this until the other day, but we do see that, we do see that um, it all started out in one day. Haman goes to the king and he says, these Jews, they're living in our land. They are trouble. They're going to cause you trouble. And then he starts saying some things and he gives a bad report of the Jews. In essence, what he's done is he set them up to be destroyed that day, right? So he set them up for destruction. And, um, and a, a law is made because of Haman, a law is made. An edict is get, you know, given where all the Jews are going to be killed. I think it's on the 13th of Adar, the, which is a month in the Hebrew calendar. I mean, just in one day, that's just, it's just really mind-boggling. So, so many things can happen in a day. And we need to not be frivolous about life. And we need to not be care, too carefree. And what I mean by that is, I'm not saying worry, but I'm just saying we need to be aware. Um, good things can happen and so can bad. We need to always be in tune with God. There's this verse that I've become very well acquainted with over the last few months in Proverbs 27, 1 that says, don't boast about tomorrow. What's the rest of the verse? Because what? Don't boast about tomorrow because you never know what a day may bring forth, right? Don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what a day will bring forth. Y'all remember my testimony in, in Montana, right? Thursday night. That verse comes to my mind. I share it with my family. And as I share it, I'm going, oh, this is sort of strange. I feel like that verse is for us right now. And it bothered me. So I laid down and I thought about it a few minutes. And I thought, I got back up and I said, I, I believe God is telling us, pray for tomorrow specifically. Because something is, the devil wants to throw something at us. I mean, that, I know that sounds unusual. But um, I began to pray right there. God, protect us from what the devil would throw at us tomorrow. Uh, keep us from anything he would, et cetera, et cetera. So I got up the next morning and I prayed for that day. And as, as y'all that have been here, you know the story. We were hit by a car. We were going about, I think, 65. And a car hit us from behind going maybe 120 to 130. I mean, you just think of that right there. And I'm going, wow, that's crazy. And it's, it, but it happened in a day. And what was so neat was God had me prepare for that the day before, even gave me that verse, and I began to pray that through. See, now that was a bad thing, wasn't it? That was a bad thing that happened. And, but God, God's like, I will prepare you for things if you'll be in tune with me. Don't just be so casual about life. Um, stay connected. Stay prayerful. Stay looking toward the Lord. Keep, keep your heart toward God. Because unexpected things can happen so quickly, you know, things that you would not even be thinking about, right? So, and I want to say this doesn't say, it doesn't say this. And I want you to see how strange this would be to be a scripture. Be afraid about tomorrow because some crazy thing might happen. It doesn't say that, does it? And do you see how that sounds weird. It, it, would not, it doesn't fit with the Bible. It would never say that. So you do not take this verse that says, don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what might happen. Don't take this verse to mean, be afraid because something crazy might happen. 
What it's saying is be prudent, be prayerful, be in a place of faith, and don't be overconfident. Don't be arrogant. Don't trust in your own strength and your own resources. Y'all remember the, um, the Titanic story, right? Do y'all know the Titanic? Uh, it was deemed to be unsinkable. Many said, this is the unsinkable ship. It's like when you say that, almost you saying that, there's so much pride in it that you're almost, it's like, well, of course it's going to sink. You just said it's unsinkable, right? This is sort of funny, but anyway, because it was unsinkable uh, in their minds, they didn't have many lifeboats on board. I mean, they're thinking, oh, we have to put some on there, but we'll never need them on that ship because it'll never go down. And I just want to encourage all of you about something. Nothing is unsinkable. Nothing is unsinkable. Every single, single one of us need to put our trust not in the strength of our nation, not in how big our army is, not in how great our tanks are, our ships are, our planes are, how brilliant we might think our leaders are, how many resources we have. I just want to tell you, you better not be putting your trust in that. You better not have your confidence in that. You know, years ago, I remember when I was growing up, we would t- my mom and dad went through some really, really difficult times. Um, they went through some difficult wars. They went through the Great Depression. And my dad would say, well, you know, they say that will never happen again. But my dad was sort of like a skeptic, right? But at the same time, Honestly, when somebody says something will never happen, can't ever happen, you know what that means? There's a good chance it will. Because that's a lot of pride, isn't it? A man has a lot of pride in himself, and God just says, do not put your trust in man. And there's another verse that says, cursed is the man who trusts in man, but blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. Amen. we got to put our trust in God. We have to believe in God. We have to be lined up with Him. And I tell you what, if we'll do that, God's going to do something good for us. I fully believe that. Now, I do want to just say this. You don't have to be a, a prophet or you know some uh, rocket science scientist to recognize our nation is going in the wrong direction. In fact, the majority of people in this nation now are saying, this nation is going in the wrong direction. Maybe people have different perspectives on why it's going in the wrong direction, but it's been the increase of moral darkness. It's been the increase of confusion and the stupid things. You see it encroaching upon our our schools, uh, the darkness as they're now trying to teach our, um, you know, elementary children about sex and about homosexual sex. And you go to, uh, you know, those parents are going to the school board meeting saying, why are y'all doing this? These are children, and we don't want you teaching them about sex because we don't believe about sex the way you do. And you're indoctrinating, you see what I'm saying? You're indoctrinating our children. And so, you, so more and more people are beginning to wake up to what's going on in this nation in the ever-increasing darkness. And I would, I would say that is a wonderful thing. I am so glad that the church and believers that have not even been involved in this kind of stuff are beginning to wake up. They're beginning to pray. They're beginning to see we need a miracle in this nation because there's a momentum going in the wrong direction. But I I don't know if you've noticed this. 
I'm beginning to see there's beginning there's uh, somewhat of a turnaround beginning to happen, even though this is still going on. But anyway, man, there's so much corruption in this nation, and I'm not just it's not just in the leaders; it's everywhere. People steal. People, uh, I mean, it's it's just the um, the morality and the 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 character of our nation has changed dramatically in my lifetime. And I'm not saying this to say, oh, everything's going bad. We're, you know, it's going to be so bad and up until Jesus comes. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is we need to rise up. We need to recognize what's there because the word of God says what? Believers are the salt of the earth. You know, salt does many things and we can try to figure out what that verse means through many angles. But salt, for one, is a preservative. And I believe that it's because of the prayers of believers, people that know God, people that have not given up on this nation, people that are praying, God, change this nation. They're not just praying, God, bless me. They've got a burden. They see the bigger picture. They see what the enemy's trying to do. And they're like, God, bring a move of God in this nation. God, break the darkness that's in this nation. God, turn hearts around. God, bring light where there's darkness. You see, because of that and because of people who are willing to stand, I believe that there's been a preserving effect of that salt in our nation. And a lot of the blessings that are still here is because there have been some people praying throughout the ages. And it's not easy to pray, sort of. You might go, it's easy to pray. Have you been doing it? Have you been faithful praying for this nation? You you understand what I'm saying? Your flesh doesn't want to do it. Yes, it's easy, but you've got to make yourself do it. You've got to wake up. Jesus said, if you want to have something happen, you got to pray, right? If you want to have something, pray. You need something, pray. Do we need a change? Pray. You can't just talk about the problem. Oh, what a problem we have in this nation. And you've not been praying and you've not been praying right. Jesus made it very clear and other New Testament writers, there are certain ways to pray and there are certain ways not to pray. You have to learn how to pray. You have to involve yourself in prayer. And God says, if you pray, you'll get results. I love that Matthew 7 verse. Those who ask are going to receive. And of course, he's talking about asking the way God says ask. The right way, not the way the world would or the way your natural mind might, you see. But if we would just do things the way God's told us to do, He's given us what we need to bring victory here. He's given us what we need to bring the light here. He's given us what we need so that light would rise up and begin to shine in an amazing way. Darkness is what's naturally in the world. Darkness naturally increases in the world. It's continually growing. That's what's here. Who is the God of this world in that sense? It's the devil, right? So how does God's light come? Through believers that are praying and believers that are speaking truth. When you speak truth, it brings light. How many believers are so intimidated? They will not speak out. And I would just tell you, the devil wants to shut your mouth and he wants to intimidate you. He wants you to think, oh, it won't do any good or, oh, I don't want to pay the price or, oh, somebody's going to get on me if I do that. I'll just be quiet. That's not my business. That is what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to get you to shut up. 
You know that nobody gets saved if nobody preaches? Change happens because truth will come out of your mouth. And the power is there to save souls because somebody's been praying. You know, Paul said, I was talking about this to someone last night. Paul said, look, when I came to you, I just didn't want to come giving the message. So many people just think, oh, just give the message. He'd been given messages. In fact, if you look where he came from, he just gave an amazing message people study. He left Mars Hill, and then he goes to the next place. That Mars Hill wonderful message that didn't get hardly any results goes to the next place, and he says, man, when I came to you, I determined not to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. That the power of God would be demonstrated, that you'd see the power of God, experience the power of God, and... Get saved that your faith would rest on the power of God and not the little weakness and wisdom of man. How many times do we not demonstrate the power of God because we don't understand how to secure power through prayer? And how many times do we not think that this world will change, this nation will change because we have not learned how to connect with God in prayer? Amen? You know, I just, I just want to say, I do believe some people are connecting with God in prayer. But when I think about things like this, it motivates me all the more. We need to expand our vision of what God will do. We need to begin to expand our vision of seeing more and more people getting saved, being pulled out of the world and out of the darkness that's in this world. Some of you online today, maybe you're here and, you know, you, you haven't made that step with Christ. And I would just tell you that the enemy is out for you. You know, he's, he wants to convince your mind. He wants to, to, to put confusion in you. He wants to get you to stop, to slow down, to not go forward with God. But God wants to pull you out of where you've been, and God wants to pull you into new life. He wants to pull you into a new world. He wants your mind to be renewed. He wants your life to be renewed. He wants you to be from, a, from where you've been to becoming a life giver, a light giver, I'm saying where you'll show forth the glory of God and you'll walk in your purpose. Anyway, somebody's had, somebody needs to corral me to keep me from going over too far to the wrong side. So, anyway, I, I, I believe that's what God wants to do today. And it's not always easy to stand. You know, sometimes we believe in an issue and the world doesn't understand it. The world's been taught, oh, that issue's like this. That issue's this way. The, the Word of God says that the, the world... Um, cause good evil and evil good. And so that's their thing to turn everything toward that's good toward evil. So I'll give you one example. And you might be on the other side of this right now. You might be on the other side of this, this equation is, uh, philosophically. But I believe abortion is definitely a bad thing. I mean, think about it. And you ever see the videos? This is a little baby. He's not outside yet of the womb, but he's alive. He's moving around. And you're going to have somebody stick something inside there one way they do it and start pulling them out limb by limb it's it's gruesome and you can see the babies in the pictures try to get away from that thing you know even when it you know comes and in, intrudes into the womb i mean it's a sad thing if you ever see that and how could you say that's not a living person it's a living person and then of course you, we you know you had this situation i don't know how many other states have done this but Virginia was the first to try to put a bill into effect where if the mother has the baby and then 
they want to abort it after having the baby. Right then, they said they would very kindly, peaceably put the baby to death, put it to sleep. That is phenomenal, unbelievable that that would be done in our nation. And you see, it started out with just a little something, but the devil encroaches in his darkness. Do y'all see how that has happened? When abortion started, nobody would have said you could kill the baby right after it's born. Nobody would have ever said that at all. But the enemy has been encroaching little by little, darkness by darkness, until we begin to accept the most crazy things. Y'all probably heard there's this bill that just is trying to go through and Maryland, where, where they say now uh, for 28 days after the child is born, wh- however the child dies, um, it won't be investigated. That's a strange law. You could have your child and not want it and just put it in a room for five days and just go in and take it out and throw it away. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? It won't be investigated if that law bill goes through. It is a crazy law. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just saying this seems like such an easy thing to believe. Let me make one other point that's coming to mind. When would you say Jesus was Jesus? Would you say it was when Mary conceived? Was it Jesus then? Yes. If she'd aborted that that was in her in the next week, she would have aborted Jesus. Do, do y'all see what I mean? And didn't God tell Jeremiah, I've known you even in the womb. I've created you right so that's a human being now you can come up with a lot of different things about why it can be inconvenient and i understand that in a very difficult situation i understand that but with all those other things you got to acknowledge that's a human being so what other things you're other thinking through that's a human being it's a life i i mean i hardly know of anything i can't imagine anything more important and more large on god's heart than that issue I mean, could you imagine just people being slaughtered every day? It's the craziest thing. And and our world just tries to make people feel good about it. And the, the reason why I'm bringing up this issue or why I started to bring up this issue is simply to say it's not easy to stand up for what you believe is a right and good thing that you believe is of God because you're going to have people get mad at you for that. You can be the most loving, the most caring, and you're doing it because you care about the little children, but you have people that, that get mad. Even though you're not upset at moms that have done that or women that have done that, you want to bring healing to their souls, you're not being judgmental toward you're You're wanting to stand up for the child you're going to have people throw stones at you. You're going to have people get upset at you, right? And it's that way with everything. You can say a man's a man and a woman's a woman, and then just have somebody get mad at you for that. It seems like I didn't read the whole story. I think it was just a headline. Somebody maybe read it. A man just beat all the women's records. That's the craziest story. A man just built... Just beat all the women's records. So what? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I, I think this would be the funniest thing. Let's line him up with the winner from every year. You got him, then you got all these women from all the other years who've, who've really excelled. And then you got a man standing standing on the, you know, now the head, the, the one breaking all the women's records is a man. Can y'all not see? I'm telling you, this is craziness. Maybe somebody 
here listening to me today, this is getting you upset. I'm really sorry about that because I don't want to get anybody upset. But I feel like I need to be able to say these things because honestly, a man is a man and a woman is a woman. You might identify as whatever. That doesn't make you whatever. You're still a man. Anyway, just saying something like that can get us all in trouble. But somebody has to just kindly and gently tell the truth and be honest about it. Nobody's helped until truth comes out, right? You know, somebody who's all confused about their identity, you know, they've opened up their mind to all these other things of what they can be. And first thing you know, they've got more things going in their minds. They can't figure out life. They're more messed up than before they started getting into all that stuff, trying to figure out this and that. You know, the word of God, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. There is an absolute truth. You're not going to come to absolute truth on your own, just you trying to figure out life. Nobody will be able to do that. You're going to have to get into the Word of God, discover what the Word of God says, and decide you're going to agree with it. I've, I know Jesus Christ is real. I know that he was, he was raised from the dead. I know this Word of God is real. I trust it more than I trust me. And I will stand for this Word of God more than I'll stand for my opinions. Now, you have to research it. you got to study it. Like one guy said, some of these things Paul says are difficult to understand. And sometimes you have to go into depth so that you can rightly divide the Word of God. But I am telling you, you can trust the Word of God. And it's the only thing that will get this nation back on course. It's the Word of God. And God, I feel another thing that I was sharing with someone last night, I believe one of the things on God's heart is, and I would just say this to every believer, God wants the Word of God back in your home. God wants the Word of God back in your home. Father, you need to bring the Word of God back into your home. You need to read at least a verse every night when y'all have supper. You need to talk about the Word of God every day with your family about something. If it's one minute, it's usually going to end up being longer than a minute, I bet you. And I bet sometimes conversation's going to get going on that verse. But if you could just imagine what your family would be like if you only did that every day while your children are growing up or in your family or you're with your wife. You know what a, an amazing difference that would make in your family? You know what an amazing difference would be in our country if there was just that little word and a, and a prayer that's sincere, heartfelt, every day in the home? And I'm just challenging you, all you Christian men, rise up, man up. You get back into the Word and bring the Word into your home. You might go, you know what, I don't know so much. Just start somewhere. Start in Proverbs. Read a couple of Proverbs and, you, <laughs> and study the Word of God on your own. But I'm just saying, I'm just talking right now about bring that Word of God back in your home. God's going to do that, I believe. I fully believe it. Anyway, so... One thing that, that you'll see in life is darkness won't ever flee until light comes on. And that's got to be us, all right? So, anyway, somebody has to stand up. Now, if you look in chapter 4, I'm not going to read this particular part, but in chapter 4, Mordecai has heard the decree. He's crying before the Lord. He's praying and he sends word or word goes to Esther, his daughter, who's queen. So he tells her what's happened. 
Uh, she doesn't even know about it. She's too busy with queen things, decorating the palace. Who knows what she was doing, getting her fingernails done. We, we don't know all that she's been busy doing. But she hears Mordecai's all upset, and then she finds out what's going on. So, so um, he wants her to get involved. And what he's pretty much saying is, Esther, you got to get involved. Esther, you've got to do something. You can't just sit there. You're a believer. You've got to do something, right? And he's challenging her out of her comfort zone to get involved. Then she answers this back in 4 verse 11. She says this to Mordecai, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know any man or woman, including me, she's meaning, who goes into the inner court to the king who's not been called, he's got but one law, put all to death, except to the one to the king holds out a scepter so that he can live. But he's not even called me there to see him for 30 days. So in other words, Mordecai goes, Esther, get involved. Do something. You're the queen. You're in a place where you can talk to the king. Go do it. And Esther answers back and she goes, you don't know, but I could be killed for doing that. <laughs> you know what she's doing? It's what we all do when we're called into action. What, we, what do we do? Count the cost. Hey, come on. Oh, am I going to look weird doing that? Oh, no, that's going to be embarrassing. Oh, no, could I lose my job? Oh, could I get a demotion? Am I going to be ridiculed? You see, when God calls us forward to engage, there's almost always some kind of price, right? And so what is Esther doing? She's counting this cost. And I just, I just want to ask all of us this morning, um, have you counted the cost and have you made the decision you're willing to go past that? It starts when you give your life to the Lord. I can, you remember that day, those of you that are serving, probably in your mind you're going, I need to give up that. I need to, and maybe we're thinking about individual things, but really, ultimately, it's more than that. It's a surrender of everything. It's your whole heart and your life giving yourself over to God. When that's done, all those other things are done too. You realize that's part of the package, but God wants deeper than just this or that. Sometimes I talk to individuals and they'll go like, you know, I know they need to give their life to the Lord and they might go, yeah, I need, I need to, I really need to stop drinking as much as I'm drinking. Or, or they might say something else like that. And I'm like, no, it's a lot bigger than that. You got to give over everything. God doesn't want to just get you to drink less. He wants everything. That's what it's all about. You see, God wants everything. It's the heart He's pulling. It's the heart He's pulling. So have you answered that question and said, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going forward. And you know what? It's not just after that question. I know we just say, okay, I gave it all uh, when I got saved. But I, I would say this, 
There are many other times when the question will be asked to you, I believe by God, because what God does is He pulls you out of your comfort zone over and over and over in life, and you will have to rise up in your decisions to give your life to God, to walk with Him fervently, 100%, no compromise, and rise up to whatever challenges in front of you. And if you do, I guarantee you, you're going to rise up over it. We'll get to that in just a minute. But, but these kind of things are continually coming our way. Now, I want to read this response because she's, where is she? She's in the valley of decision. Man, this is going to cost a lot. I might die. In fact, I'm afraid of dying because I don't know how much in favor I am with him anymore. He hasn't even seen me for 30 days. Right? She's going, I'm not sure if I'm his favorite. I mean, I don't know. So, anyway, she answers him, Mordecai might die. Now, Mordecai is like her daddy. Now, what do you think Mordecai is going to say? Oh, I understand. It must be such a hard thing. I understand. If you decide not, I completely understand. That's maybe the way a father would say, right? Maybe. Maybe that's what he's going to say. Let's see. This is what Mordecai. This is what Mordecai says, beginning in verse 13. This is his response back to Esther. His kind and gentle response, which I believe it was actually a kind response. Don't think in your heart. Don't think in your heart. Don't even let this thought go deep down on the inside of you that you're going to escape in the king's palace more than any of the other Jews. You see, now, I just want to say we see Esther as an amazing woman of God, don't we? He's talking about something right here that's going to help her get out of get out of her indecision indecisiveness he says don't imagine in your heart that you're going to escape he's thinking she's going nobody knows i'm a jew i'll make it out of this you see if that becomes her focus she's she's going to wimp out and you know what he says it's not even going to work. God will make sure of it. You won't get out of this if you hide. You know what you compromise to gain? You lose. You're going to lose anyway when you compromise to get something. Anyway, he says, he says, don't you even imagine you're going to get out of this thing if you don't step up. Don't think that nobody's going to find out that you're not going to be in trouble. Wow, that's, that's so strong. And then he says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come for the Jews. But it's going to come from some other place. But as for you and your father's house, you will perish. That's, that's powerful. First of all, he goes, when this thing happens, don't think you'll escape. You're going to be found out. You're coming down too. But God is going to deliver us even if you don't do it. But if God delivers us and you didn't do your part, you're going down. <laughs> now, that is 
so strong. And And then he says this, yet who knows? Maybe you happen to be queen for this very reason. Maybe all this stuff that's happened to get you, maybe this is even why you're here. I love this, you see, because what he's, what he's doing is he's telling her what she needs to do to go forward in God. And I love this. I love how he did it. I love how he starts here. And I just want to say everybody needs a Mordecai in their life. Again, I, I almost wish the book was called Mordecai. <laughs> everybody needs somebody. They'll encourage you. God's got a great purpose on your life. That's what he was telling her. You see, God will use you where you are. But there's some people that will never get out of where they are if that's all you tell them. God's got a good plan for your life. God's going to do something great for you. God's got a wonderful, amazing future for you. Oh, if you just go, he's got a great plan. Just think about that. Some people, they've heard that a hundred times. It's not going to budge him. But the rest that he told her, if you don't go forward <laughs> and if you don't follow God, if you don't do right, you're going to perish. You know, I've had many times in situations when I've talked to someone and they just get stuck. And they they won't go forward in God. And it's some sin, some self-will. They don't want to yield their attitude to God. They don't want to yield their life to God. Sometimes the crazy thing about this, they can even be miserable in how they're living and still feel that way. And I've had it where, like, prophetically out of me, these strong verses will come. And Jesus used these verses, but we don't use them much anymore. How about that verse where he goes, hey, if your right hand makes you sin, cut it off. It's better to go to heaven with one hand than to hell with two. (laughs) Now, we know that that's an illustration of something, right? What's he talking about there? But doesn't the picture make you think? That's why Jesus said it that way. He wants you to think about it. Why did Jesus say things like that? Because he knows when you think about it, it's going to start getting on the inside of your heart. Anyway, I believe some people, they're not going to just change with God's got a good plan for your life. He's got a good destiny for you. They're going to change because they also heard the warnings and they had somebody who was able to tell them other things they needed to hear, which Jesus did a whole lot to wake people up. Amen. Now, um, was was this mean? I don't think it was mean at all. Mordecai's like her daddy. It was God. It was God. Amen. And by the way, if you have fun telling people things like this, you know what I'm saying? Like it almost makes them feel like you want them to go to hell, right? You know, they're doing something you don't like. If you don't change, you're going to go to hell. Well, I hope you don't want them to go there. Anyway, um, so Mordecai said something else here, too, that I think we need to take note of. He's in the middle of this situation that's very difficult. He's been praying. He's been crying. But in the middle of that, he says something that's full of faith. 
It's absolutely true. And it's this. He goes, God will deliver us. The question or not isn't whether he's going to deliver us. The question or not is whether you're going to be a part of it. I just, you have to, you got to get this in your heart. God will deliver us if we will put our trust in him. I don't know if I read this verse at the beginning when we started. I meant to. Psalm 34, 6 and 7 says, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear the Lord, and he delivers them. Deliverance will come. Deliverance will come. Amen. And I love that in the middle of a trial, he was able to proclaim, God's going to deliver me. And I'll tell you, whatever trial you're in right now, if you'll trust in God, put your life in God's hands, give your life over to God and start to rest in him and trust in him. You need to start declaring with your mouth, God will deliver me. You need to rise up because part of the battle is just simply against the tormenting lies that will come and tell you you're going down. You're not going to make it. Everything's going bad. You're never going to get that breakthrough. Nothing good's going to happen. You're going to keep in that same cycle. And God says, no, you need to rise up over that and say, God hears my prayers. I'm breaking out of this cycle. God's going to deliver me and God's going to bring me into what he's got for my life. Amen. You got to say, God's got to, going to deliver me. Like Joshua and Caleb, you remember that they said that in their time of trial, right? In front of the giants. Joshua and Caleb, God will deliver us. And all the other ones are like, no, it's too big. No, the trial's too hard. The giants are too big. Who went into the promised land? Joshua and Caleb, right? Who didn't? All the ones going, the giants are too big. We'll never make it. There's a real key in this, you see. God's blessing will come on those who walk in it and trust it. God told this to Joshua. I have given you past tense. I have already given you the land. No man will be able to stand before you. But the giants are still there. If he would walk in fear and doubt and negativity, the giants would have creamed him. He says, I am giving you the land. I promise you, I've already given it to you. Then he says, speak the word, be in the word, confess the word that you might have success. The word of faith, of victory has already been given to us. God just says, now you just need to have that word of faith on your mouth. It needs to be in your heart, and it's not so hard to do it. If Joshua could do it, you can do it. David spoke that verse to Solomon, and he's like, this is the key for you being successful. Getting that word on the inside of you and living in strong faith. Maybe you don't believe it'd work for you. Well, that's okay. You don't have to believe the Bible, but it'd be better to believe it. It does work. Amen. Amen. Anyway, so he had that bold faith and he says this. He says this. Esther, maybe God put you here for this very reason. And we know that she she was there for that reason, right? 
Think about this. She didn't know she was there for that reason at that time. She just thought it was it just like just happened. Hey, this is the craziest thing. I've become queen. I'm in the palace. (laughs) She thinks maybe she thinks it's all about her. Right. And by the way, this is a good point, too. Your life's not about you. Her being queen wasn't even about her. Y'all know that it wasn't about her. It was for other people. God made her queen, not because, oh, I want Esther to become queen. I want to bless her to be a queen. He's going, "Mm, there's going to be a need. God sees this ahead of time. This is the other point I was going to make. God sees needs way ahead of time. The Bible says the devil plans and schemes against us, but all we have to do is stay connected with God because God will always outplan the devil. And he sees way ahead of time what needs to be in place. And when you come into alignment and start crying out to God, God knew you were going to be there. And guess what? He's already put Esther where she needs to be to bring the deliverance. You see what I'm saying? God knows the situation we're in. God knows the situation this nation's in. God knows how dark things are. God's known that from, the, from way times past. Things can change in a day. This nation can change in a day. Your life can change in a day. Your breakthrough can happen in a day. Amen. Just like something bad can happen, something good can happen. God says, trust in me, believe in me, stay connected with me, and watch what I will do in your life. Watch how much light you'll bring. Watch how many people you'll help when you connect to your destiny. Just like Esther was given a purpose in life, every single one of us will be properly placed exactly where we need to be for the kingdom purposes of God. Now, I'll end with this right here. I believe that God has put people in place all over the world like Esther. He's positioned people in different places in life for this very moment. You know how uh, Mordecai goes, for such a time as this? I want to just say this, for such a time as this, right now, in this darkness, the moral stuff that's going on, is such a time as this. God says, I've placed people in the right places already for what I'm getting ready to do. I believe most of them are not even aware of it. They're not even just like her. And God is saying, God wants, God wants to use you if you'll just rise up. Maybe you go, really? But maybe it's going to cost me. When you're willing to do what God's called you to do, God's going to start to go to work. We'll see this next week. But what she did from that moment of indecisiveness, indecisiveness, am I going to give it up? Am I she goes to absolute resolve, even laying down her life. She says, I'm willing. And from that, God used her. Anytime you give it all to God, I mean, this goes from night to day. And God will begin to use you in an amazing way. Your life will change. You begin to connect with your purpose. It, it, it begins in a dramatic way when you give your life over to God, absolutely, without complete surrender. It's powerful. We'll see that and the rest of the story, I believe, next week. All right. Well, God bless you, Lord. I just pray a blessing on every soul here for everyone that needs a breakthrough right now. God, I'm praying for faith for that breakthrough. I pray that the lie that's saying you won't make it, the lie that's saying, oh, look at the opposition, the lie that's saying, oh, what if, look what this person's doing. Look what this person said. Look at this bad situation I'm in. Father, I just pray right now that by faith that every person that's hearing this today, that's in a trial, that's in a 
place of difficulty will begin to say, God will deliver me. God will help me. He's already promised things concerning me. I can fulfill my call in God. Nothing's going to hold me back from doing what God wants me to do in life. And I'm going to go forward. God wants me to prosper. He said he gives me life abundantly and I'm going to walk in it. Lord, I just pray every single person would just be confessing that. And if you're here today and you haven't given your life to the Lord yet, you haven't really given that absolute surrender. I encourage you to do that. Do not put it off. You know, so many people just they know they haven't done it, but they need like a nudge. And I just want to encourage you, sit down with whoever invited you online today. Sit down, talk to them about God, where you are with God and, uh, you know, where you need prayer, what your questions are. Work this thing through. Don't don't just let this sit on, you know, on the back burner somewhere. Work this thing through and get your breakthrough with God. So, Father, we thank you for helping us, giving us breakthrough and making this an amazing week of us walking in the promises and the faithfulness of God. In Jesus' name, amen.